At the start of this adventure, it probably would have been a fun idea for me to keep a running tab of all the distances I've traveled. As best I can figure, retracing steps in my head, I've probably driven upwards of 1,500 miles so far, and in looking back on this all, I honestly can't think of any place I've been where I haven't encountered kindness. But when it comes to hospitality, the generosity I received in the Rio Grande Valley humbled me beyond measure. If you get in a conversation with a Spanish speaker, at some point you might hear them refer to this region as La Frontera. Frontera, of course, translates to frontier, which quite literally means border. But frontier is a word with many conjugations. I know when I hear it, I think of the Wild West and all the images associated with its landscapes and mythology. But a frontier can also be a place of discovery, experimentation, and innovation. That's something we're going to get into in today's episode. As it was here, below the Nueces and above the Rio Grande, that different cultures came together to create a sound that could have only been born in Texas. I'm talking about conjunto. And if you don't know what that is, well, let's just say you're in store for a treat. I'm Evan Stern, and this is Vanishing Postcards. Before we get started today, I must take a moment to tell you about a terrific podcast I recently discovered. It's called Stories, A History of Appalachia. Each week, the hosts Steve Gilley and Rod Mullins tell the history of Appalachia, one story at a time. You'll hear about famous feuds, moonshiners, a murderous elephant, a legendary silver mine, and much more. Trust me, this one is a fun ride, and you can find Stories, A History of Appalachia, wherever you get your podcasts. Now, let's get on with the show. As the crow flies, San Benito sits about 16 miles north of the border in Cameron County between the cities of Brownsville and Harlingen. Founded in 1907, this one-time railroad boomtown is about as south as South Texas gets, and Peter Avila will tell you that his family's been here for quite some time. I'm named after my grandfather, Pedro Avila, and then his father, Crispin, was the original person that moved here, which he came from uh, San Luis Portosí. So it was Crispin, Pedro, Reynaldo, myself, and now Julio. So we've five generations. And now with my grandson, we're going on six. Peter's taken turns playing tour guide from the back seat, while his son Julio, a 27-year-old animator who's down visiting from Austin, drives us around in his Kia. So right now we're turning right, going northbound on Stinger Street, and uh, to our left we're passing the Hotel Stonewall Jackson, named after the Confederate General Stonewall Jackson. Uh, and this was one of the most popular hotels in the 20s, but it's been pretty in varying states of decay since that time. Um, and it's been boarded up for a few years now, but it used to be a poppin' place, so I'm told. Much of San Benito used to be poppin', they tell me. But like the Hotel Stonewall Jackson, most of its downtown now sits vacant and boarded up. So all these little doors at one point were all bars that had music. Everyone had live music going on. So from here, it was like a mini 6th Street. And then it turned to the, to the right, it continued. Apart from a wandering dog and 
group of old men in plastic chairs at the corner of Bowie and Robertson. Things seem pretty empty around here for a Saturday morning. But looking around, Julio takes in this scene with more honesty than nostalgia. But that's the story of America, you know? This is just something that has happened all over the country when it comes to the conglomeration of big business and how that affects the small towns. You know, I mean, this is a story that's being played out in Ohio, California, any one of the 50 states. Essentially what you had is you had people coming to populate an area, and then there's reactions and counter-reactions to who is really ethnically making up this area. And so part of, and it should be said that like, people stop coming, businesses stop coming, white flight, people start leaving. And now if, if you really do the math, the schools are made up, it's probably 96% Hispanic, 3% African, Asian, and Caucasian. So it was also something of that. I know that that had to have had an effect where the money leaves the city. And a lot of what we're seeing is kind of a result of the brain drain and the financial drain of those people moving on to more prosperous towns like La Feria, or not, I mean, not La Feria, but like Harlingen, McAllen, Brownsville, or further up north to Corpus, to San Antonio, to Austin, to Dallas. People go where they can make their money. Take a left right I think there's a lot of truth to this. Similar communities can be found in Pennsylvania, Georgia, and just about anywhere. But towns like these didn't just export cotton, metal, or timber. They exported culture and art. Detroit gave us Motown and Clarksdale, Mississippi, the blues. But San Benito gave us Conjunto. say that San Benito is the uh, is the nucleus for conjunto music. This is this is the hotbed. Just like there is a Nashville for country, there is a Memphis for there is a, uh, Philadelphia for the rock and roll sound or whatever. That if you're if you're really going to get into conjunto music, this could be heavily debated. But no doubt, it's San Benito is the is the nucleus. Uh, the the, uh, the gentleman who's credited with starting Conjunto Music is named Narciso Martinez, and he was right from this area. From here, one of the very first record labels spawned. Uh, there's, the, there's a dance hall that is just historic. Anybody who's anybody performed at that dance hall, it's called La Villita. Uh, the, the, the pioneers, which are Tony De La Rosa, Valerio Longoria, Ruben Vela, Henry Zimmerly, uh, Steve Jordan, even Fred, even Baldemar Fuerte, Freddie Fender, was a great big part of this back a long time ago, and and it is it is it has continued to grow, and it's continued now. We're seeing a, a knowledge and a resurgence of where it actually came from, of the birthplace of it. That's Rick Garcia, president of CHR Records. Uh, labeled at both some of the finest conjunto artists in the business. We're speaking at a round table in the office of the Texas Conjunto Music Hall of Fame, 
Julio's there while Peter sits to my left next to his brother Joe and sister Patricia. This museum was founded some 20 years ago by Ray Avila, their recently departed father, who made the promotion and preservation of this music his life's work. Since his passing a mere seven months ago, the Avilas have stepped up their involvement in the museum, and when I asked them to tell me of the family patriarch, Joe was quick to chime in. What I remember about him, I guess what got him into Conjunto, a lot of the employees that worked with him were musicians. Yeah. They played accordion, they played the drums, they played the bajo sexto. And the employees would work 40, 50 hour weeks with my dad, hard work. At the end of the day, they'd go play at the bar. They'd play till one, two in the morning and come back Sunday. We had to work on Sunday or Saturday back at eight o'clock and work that hard day and go back again. But they'd come back and they'd start telling the stories. So that's, I guess my dad started getting pieces from there and that's where, you know, that little time of working with those musicians really brought up a lot in our interest. My dad was never a musician. You know, he can't read music. He never played an instrument, but he's a historian. And he, I guess he felt that he needed to tell the word, you know, tell, tell the people uh, the history of Conjunto. And that was his, uh, one of his... Uh, um, inspirations to doing this. But what is conjunto music? A cursory glance at Wikipedia will tell you the word literally translates to group or ensemble, that it was born in the early 20th century when Mexican and Tejano laborers adopted the polkas and button accordions brought to Texas by German settlers. They gave Spanish lyrics to these melodies and threw in some guitar from an instrument called the bajo sexto. Its godfather figure was San Benito's own Narciso Martinez, whose accordion you hear now in his recording Muchachos Alegres. That's the Cliff Notes version. But Julio cuts to the heart of the how and why all of this happened with far greater eloquence. It's an American invention. It comes out of the meeting of two separate cultures in Texas. You had a lot of people's stories my grandpa would tell me of people going up north traveling to meet family in distant places and they're encountering the polkas, the German polkas and the accordion music and the big band brass music of the time that was popular in North Texas at that time in the hill country. They're bringing these ideas of these sounds that are making people happy to the valley and then they're trying to get that energy sign up going again but it has to be something that's organic to themselves because they're the ones playing the instruments. And it's out of that necessity that this music is born, you know. It has a 4-4 beat, the rhythm a lot of times. It's supposed to be half music that makes people want to move. And it brought communities together. Communities here who are dealing with a particular, you know, societal thing that is still kind of affecting us here, which is, hey, we're two different people and we got to live together. Let's, let's communicate musically. That might help. What my dad would always tell us is it all had to do with them having to um, go pick, uh, go do strawberries, go do cotton, go do wherever they had to travel. And a lot of times if it was traveling in, in central Texas, well, they were young and they wanted to go have fun. So they would find out where are the places and that's where they would put the ear to the music. And it seems like through just the experience of them being out there exposed is how it started to grow. 
One kid who was out picking cotton back in the early 1950s was Pepe Maldonado. Uh, we used to go, when I was, let's say, uh, 12, 13 years old, we used to go, we were migrants. We used to go up north, pick cotton, and uh, go from one place to another. We used to go to, let's say, from here to Robstown, and from Robstown we'd go to well, El Campo, from Campo we'd go to uh, close to Dallas, we work for Haji, or West Texas. And uh, one time it was so hot and I was picking cotton. I was, I mean, this is the truth, I, I swear to God, I'm going to tell you the truth. Uh, I was picking, picking cotton and it was so hot and I, and I was 13 or 14 years old, 13, eh, somewhere in there. I said, you know, I got up, and, you know, I, I, <laughs> and I said, you know what, this is not for me. I'm going to be an artist, I'm going to make people know who I am, I'm going to sing. And believe me, uh, it came true. It came, and, uh, at that moment, I made the decision I was going to do it, and my dad was against it. My dad didn't he want me to sing or play or whatever. But he, he after after he heard my first record, he said, damn, you know how to sing. <laughs> I, I remember that. Pepe made good on that promise, rubbed elbows with greats like Ruben Vela and Narciso Martinez, and embarked on a successful career that carried him all the way to the White House lawn and an audience with Bill Clinton. Nearing 80, he doesn't sing much anymore, but can be found most every Sunday at La Lomita Park, the venue he built practically with his own hands outside McAllen. In addition to San Benito's famed La Villita, I'm told this is one of the great spots in the valley to catch Conjunto live, and it's where we're talking tonight. Pulling in here is surreal. Its driveway is named for the accordion master Tony de la Rosa, and on the left, you're greeted by a sign that reads, Hard Times, Texas, Population 16. The main building on the right is unmissable, as it's made of false fronts with names like Tombstone Hotel to give it the look of an old western boardwalk. Opening the door, you'll find Pepe's wife Irma sitting next to a jar of holy water ready to take your $5 cover, while their daughter Diana is busy in the kitchen serving up tacos, enchiladas, and burgers. Though the lighting is dim and the AC cool. The spirit here is warm, friendly, and familial, which is why tonight's entertainer, 36-year-old Rodney Rodriguez, tells me this is one of his favorite places to perform. <laughs> well, the perfect night at La Lomita is when, like Pepe says, se pone hasta el queque. That means that it's full, and that's what we like to see here at La Lomita. Hopefully tonight it'll be full also, and that gives us, the musicians playing, well, a lot of gusto, you know, and a lot of joy, and that's what we want to see. Well, here everyone becomes like family, because uh, the same people always come here. They, they love getting together here, and we know them all. We know, we know pretty much everyone that comes here by name, and that's, that's, that's a great thing. A native of nearby Rio Grande City, Rodney is modest, soft-spoken, and about a head shorter than me, which, trust me, you don't see often. But the guy is a beast on the accordion, an instrument he fell in love with as a kid that took him all the way to a two-week residency at the Smithsonian Institute. But uh, the one I can never forget is performing at the Smithsonian in Washington, D.C. We were there for two weeks, and that was beautiful. It was a beautiful experience. Well, it was great, because, I mean, everyone was dancing at their own style, you know? And, uh, like you say, there was... Chinese people and African Americans and everything, we, they all were having fun to our, to our style of music, you know, and, and that's great. And that, that made us feel very good. Like Julio, 
He credits his grandparents with introducing him to Conjunto and tells me that the mission of his group, Los Cucuis, is to keep Conjunto alive. And when you're not performing Conjunto, what are you doing? Uh, listening to Conjunto. <laughs> Trying to bring out more old songs. I mean, I, I love oldies and that's what we try to do here with Los Cucuis, bring back old songs that haven't been heard for a while. We're a straight conjunto, 100% conjunto. And uh, we try to keep up the, the legacy of the old guys, the legends. Gilberto Perez, Ruben Vela, Tony De La Rosa, and all that good stuff. Uh, and that's what we have, it's, it's just old school conjunto. Both Pepe and Rodney expressed to me that they worry about the endurance of Conjunto. Right now, hip-hop does seem to be all the rage on both sides of the border. But while Diana confesses to me in the back that this music is her father's, not hers, she says the young people in her life are actually Conjunto-obsessed. I'm not really into the Conjunto. My daughter is a fanatic, Rebecca. She's a fanatic. She knows everybody and everything. I'm here to support my dad. No matter what he does, we're here to support him. How and old? I love his music. His music is great. How old is your daughter? 35. So then you do see, like, interest in Conjunto among the oh, young. yes. Uh, my nephews, my, uh, my daughter, all the grandchildren are really getting raised with all this. They were raised with it. They know what the music is. Uh, they all know the names. Like I said, they're, they're fanatics. They are all into Conjunto music. Hearing this... I think of Julio who told me yesterday that while Conjunto might not be his first music of choice, it's home. I'm a little younger, so I'll speak from this perspective. When, I, when you're growing up, I feel most people make a decision. Do you really like Conjunto music? Do you really? I mean, your grandpa does. He made that clear in the car. You know what I mean? So, so years later, I'm, I'm 27 now. I slowly, it's like he says, it, it goes away, it comes back. I'm in Austin, I'm driving through Austin. Uh, sometimes I feel so homesick, I'm listening to Conjunto on the radio. I never would have done that as a kid. <laughs> I just, no, you know? But it reminds me of the times where you're uh, here in the plaza, and there's the communities here, there's vendors, people are selling, people are walking around, people are having a good time with their family, and you feel, you feel like you're a part of something. And here it can be hard sometimes outside of your, your family groups to find that community. But the music's always that spot where we can go and... So even someone, I'm not a daily connoisseur of the music, but it means something to me in that way, like in a deep spiritual way now, that I couldn't put words to before, and actually, you know, it didn't matter that much before. The ages are mixed tonight at La Lomita, and with Rodney Rodriguez y Los Cucuyes on stage, I'm easily one of the few seated and decide to make a discreet exit. But before I can slink away, a spirited, bespectacled gentleman by the name of Pablo Puentes beckons me to his table. Conjunto music is the best music for everybody. All new, the one that's gonna be born because Conjunto music is a lot of folklore and you're gonna be so happy what, what the word says and the way you dance to the music, it's love. So Conjunto music is the best and it's still alive. It never says that Conjunto music will never die always be alive. Just going to take a quick pause to mention that if you have an appetite for some tales from the New South, do yourself a favor and check out Tommy Tomlinson's excellent Southbound. 
He's a Pulitzer Prize finalist and best-selling author who sits down with Southerners from all walks of life. One of my favorite episodes he hosted was with novelist Roger Geip, who talked all about making art in coal country and the many things people get wrong about Appalachia. Produced by WFAE, Charlotte, North Carolina's NPR news source, you can find Southbound on your favorite podcast app or wfae.org slash southbound. So this is where it starts. And uh, actually, back here is where he has the, the founding fathers. This on this side is Narciso Martinez, and over here is Santiago Merda. They're the two that originally put the ensemble together. Him bringing the bajo sexto, and he brought in the, the, the accordion. Back in San Benito, Peter and Rick lead me on a walkthrough of the Hall of Fame. It's a simple space housed in a downtown community building. Portraits and biographies of inductees cover the walls, while a few artifacts from the original Ideal Records decorate a side room. Can you imagine the recording systems used to look like this back in the day? It's like one track, possibly two tracks, and that's it. No overdubs, no 16-track, no 24-track, whatever. So you got it right or you had to do it again. One track. And I would hear the stories. They would say that, oh, they'd get, a, they'd get a recording that was almost so good, and then all of a sudden it's over with, and a train goes by. <laughs> oh, my goodness. There they go. They chunk that acetate and have to do a new one. While they host an induction concert and celebration each year, you won't find the interactive features or sleep bells and whistles found at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame here. But Rick will tell you that for those who love Conjunto, this place is sacred and needed. There is as much passion in this as there is for people like, uh, that like the Etta James music that go to those museums, the people that like Elvis Presley and go to the Sun Records Museum. Thank goodness there's a museum here for the people that love conjunto music. It's every bit as special and every bit as passionate. Again, Rick stresses that the reason this all exists is because of Ray Avila. It's real important that, you know, I, the, the, the one thing I, 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 don't, I don't want to see happen is for Ray Avila's vision to, to, to stop. You know, and thank, thank, thank goodness his family and, and his, his, his kids are, are behind it. And... Uh, out of all the associations that I've been involved in, and I've been in a lot of, involved in a lot of them, there is, no, there is none as authentic as this one. And if anything, I, I mean, I wish, they, I wish all of them well, but this one here is, is, you can just tell how it's so well put together. And each artist tells a story. Mr. Avila is absolutely deserving of this praise, as this space provides an incredible record of the important legends who've made this music what it is. I regret the timing of this project was such that I didn't get the chance to meet him. Patricia tells me he would have welcomed me with a warm smile and countless stories, but also sees some poetry in the timing of my arrival. Yeah, I think it's so beautiful that this interview is happening on Father's Day weekend. Yeah. It's gonna be a lot harder weekend for us, but you know, he left us so much, so many good memories and so much to treasure. Family is, was so important to him just as much as it's going with the music and thank God most of us we, we all do appreciate the music and we've gained so many good friends that are right there holding our hands along the way. I'm grateful the Avilas seem committed to picking up the reins of this operation and it's my hope they can inject the Hall of Fame with new energy. Sure though 
Flaco Jimenez and other artists have recorded with the likes of the Rolling Stones and David Byrne. I can see how some might say you don't often see conjunto top in the charts. But it is representative of a uniquely American story that deserves our collective respect. Making this museum the destination it deserves to be might take more time, money, and effort than the Avilas and San Benito can provide on their own. Patricia's a teacher, and Joe and Peter work in property appraisal. But how great would it be to return someday to find headphones below the portraits where visitors could hear music from the legends themselves, or to a recreation of the original ideal records? For now, though, Peter and Julio drive me by the building where the greats once gathered in a back room to create. So the old uh, record company was right here where now it's the Victoria's uh, Party Hall. So in the front, uh, right where the sewing box is, that's where it used to be the record store itself. And then the back is where they would produce the records. And that used to be the fire station. So you could see how I would ride through the back alley because I like to see the fire station. And then through the back of the building here is where they would throw the old records that I guess wouldn't make. And so I would go through here and I could hear the music right here. I could hear jamming. Julio then tells me a story of how when he was 15, he and his grandfather finagled themselves inside. It was like a time capsule. Nothing had been moved since the day production had stopped some 50 years, 40 years before. So I'm this teenage boy and I'm looking at this for the first time and I'm getting a grasp of like, my grandpa's not crazy, this used to be a real thing. It's like, you, oh man, history came to life for me that day. And all the recording equipment was there and I'm telling you, thousands of recently pressed mint condition recording vinyls that had just, it's like people had vanished almost. After passing this side of many memories, we began to drive back towards our starting point and a pregnant pause settled in the car. I had to ask a question. But is it hard for you to see all of this abandonment? Well, it is. You know, I've been here 52 years, and, you know, I've I stayed home because of my family, you know. I've always asked myself what would be different if I would have left, like some of my friends, but yeah, it is. I mean, it, I love it here. I really do, you know, no matter church, wherever I go, I help run the league of baseball. Um, you really get a grasp of community every time every day you know one thing i i i notice in just the world of of living and being but then ever matter where i went to in a business meeting in atlanta or a business meeting in las vegas one thing i always found as a common denominator is that as you got to visit these places you always knew that you would run into the hard-working persons whether at the restaurant or the housekeeping. But as 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 soon as you talk to them in Spanish, they were back home. And one time in Atlanta, I'm there and I was with a coworker and we hadn't had we were there two weeks training and we wanted to have well rancheros original and we noticed that the lady was Hispanic. And so we said, ma'am, y'all don't have any huevo rancheros? And she says Oh, el, the cook in the back, the chef, he makes real good huevo rancheros. And so I said, you think he'll mind? No, sir. So she goes back there and she brings us some of the best huevo rancheros. We ate and we smiled. And at the end, I said, I want to go meet 
the chef and so I went back there turned out he's from the valley and he we just had a good old time and every kitchen if you put an ear to it you're gonna hear good conjunto Tejano music because it takes us back to this to the to the ground which is where it all started it all started in towns like this you know and that's powerful I always found that to be real powerful I think that's a wonderful note to end on. And again, I thank you so much. This has been a wonderful, rich morning. Thank you. Soy de Texas, es mi orgullo ser chicano. The song you're hearing right now is Steve Jordan's recording, Soy de Texas. Other songs and artists featured include Llorar Llorar, as performed by Henry Zimmerly, and Ruben Vela's Ojitos Verdes. These recordings were generously provided to me by Rick Garcia, whose CHR Records is committed to promoting traditional conjunto artists. To learn more about their roster and hear their Spotify playlist, visit chrrecords.com. I thank Mr. Garcia, as well as his client Rodney Rodriguez, for letting me chat with him at La Lomita Park. To learn more about him, his music, and upcoming gigs, find and follow Los Cucuis de Rodney Rodriguez on Facebook. You can also find a page for La Lomita Park there, thanks to Diana and her dad, Pepe Maldonado, who recently celebrated 80 years on this earth. Most of all, I must thank Peter and the entire Avila family for the incredible love and hospitality they showed me. I dedicate this episode to the memory of their beloved patriarch, Ray Avila. And if you find yourself near San Benito, encourage you to check out his Texas Conjunto Music Hall of Fame. For more details, visit cityofsanbenito.com. As always, I thank you for listening, and assuming you enjoyed today's postcard from the Valley, if you haven't already, would be most appreciative if you could do me a solid and hit that subscribe button. It's free, it helps us grow, And by doing that, you're guaranteed to never miss anything. And, of course, if you know anyone in your life who might enjoy what we're up to, I can't tell you how much it would mean if you could just take a second to text them and share this episode. Our theme music was written and performed by Max Krause and Emily Young. I'm Evan Stern, and hope you'll join us next time for more Vanishing Postcards.